Welcome to the Tag Republic podcast, a weekly chat with Carolina Guzik about all things marketing. Some episodes are short tips that you can implement in your business right away, while others are in-depth conversations with industry leaders. Whether you're a new photographer searching for some knowledge or an established professional with years of experience, Carolina offers fresh and innovative advice that can help you transform your photography business. This episode is sponsored by The Art of Pinning, a self-paced Pinterest class for wedding and lifestyle photographers. If you are having a hard time driving traffic into your website or SEO is overwhelming you or the people that are visiting your website are not the kind of visitors, aka they're not converting into clients, then this class is for you. You can find more information at www.thetalkrepublic.com forward slash Pinterest or just follow the link in the notes. Now, enjoy this episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Talk Republic. I'm Carolina Gusik, your host, and today we have an amazing guest with us. His name is Nathan Holritz. Did I say it correctly? You did. You did. You got it. <laughs> awesome. And we're going to be talking about uh, outsourcing your editing. I think this is a topic that is... Um, not really controversial, right? But it's kind of like a limbo situation. Like, do I need to do this? Don't, what, what's going on? But before we even jump into today's topic, I want to hear from you. What about Nathan? You tell us who you are and what do you do? Well, I have started a number of companies in the photography industry that revolve around saving photographers time and ultimately encouraging relationships, time and relationships. Those are kind of my my specialties, or at least I'm attempting to make them my specialties. So I, certainly I own an editing company that specializes in taking care of the editing process for professional photographers. So at the service level, that's what we do. We offer custom editing to professional photographers, but really at the end of the day, that means that we're giving photographers more time, which then of course naturally frees them up to focus on the relationships in their life, professional and personal as well. Awesome. And were you a photographer before? I was. I shot weddings for about 10 years, as many as 30 or 40 a year. And that was actually what led me to start Photographer's Edit. I was doing my own editing and it was driving me crazy. And I also saw an opportunity in the industry. This was back in 2008, 2008 where the other editing companies that existed were kind of complicated and too expensive. And there just weren't that many offering the service at the time. So I saw an opportunity to, first of all, offload my editing. I needed help with that. But then secondly, to be able to serve the industry with this business opportunity by simplifying the process and bringing the price point down. So it was a service that was accessible to way more photographers. It seems crazy that obviously uh, wedding photography, digital wedding photography has existed for let's say 12 years, right? Roughly 12, 13 years. But yet things like, you know, outsourcing uh, other companies, you know, that free your time, it's kind of like a new industry within the wedding industry, right? It's something that we start seeing maybe six years ago. It started becoming a little bit more popular. Yeah, probably about six years ago. I mean, I started digital photography. I think my first camera that I got that I was using professionally for the sake of my clients, I got in 2000, I want to say 2005. So it's, it's been around for a long time. For whatever reason, when photographers realized they had the opportunity for more control and that they weren't just dropping off a roll of film at the lab, 
they now had the images and they could control that post process. That was really appealing and still is to so many photographers. The problem is it eats up so much time and it, it keeps them from focusing on the things that will actually grow their company and ultimately from spending more time with the important people in their life as well. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about this because uh, from the outside, right? If somebody's new, they're like, oh my God, wedding photography seems so fantastic. You know, you're <laughs> taking all these great photos when in reality it's like 15% of the time, right? That's what we're doing, just shooting. And then as you said, editing consumes a lot of, you know, a, a big chunk of time. I am one of these people that I'm still doing my editing, hopefully by the end of this episode. How dare <laughs> <I> you? <laughs> you know better. You've known me for long enough now. I know, <laughs> I know. But also, well, let's actually uh, talk about this. Um, yeah. A lot of people feel, and I, and I put myself in, you know, into this pool of people that they feel like they need to control everything, including mm. the editing. And they feel, maybe I'm speaking for myself, I, like, <laughs> like the editing is kind of like a big component of the brand, right? Mm. How, how could we let go of these maybe beliefs? Well, first of all, I have to say, I, I totally understand. Despite the fact that I began outsourcing my editing, and started an editing company, I still understand the importance to photographers, business owners of having some sense of control. The, the problem I think lies in the fact that we tend to project our own personal preferences, our assumptions, our thought processes onto the end client. When the reality is 95%, we'll say, of our clients or potential clients don't care about the nuances and details that we care about or that we notice. And in fact, the example that I would give is I have a number of snapshots printed with an Instax printer mm -hmm. uh, from my phone that are a series of images of my friends, my family, me, of course, with my friends and my family. And I look at those pictures on my refrigerator and they're not framed perfectly. They're not color corrected perfectly. They're probably a bit blurry. But that's not the point. It's not why I enjoy them. I enjoy them because they represent individuals, maybe moments in my life that are meaningful to me. And by the way, I'm a wedding photographer and somebody who is super particular and I own an editing company and I'm aware of the significance of color and composition and so forth. And yet none of that really matters to me when I'm looking at those images. So let's then if we want to project, let's project that reality, which probably most photographers can relate to, right? When they're looking at a snapshot in an album or a print, or even just an image on their phone, they're not overanalyzing the composition and color of this picture of them with their friend or family member. They're just excited to have that picture. We have to remember our clients, that's how they think the majority of the time. So we don't need to project our preferences, our understanding of photography, the nuanced details that we are paying attention to onto our clients, the moment that we realize that those things don't matter to them, that will at least allow us to begin giving up the control of the process a little bit. And by the way, this is not a conversation about compromising quality because my company, for example, and there are other companies out there, but my company, I know that my editors are extremely, extremely talented. The process that we go through of even bringing an editor on our team is super stringent. And so their understanding of color and of composition and ultimately the editing process is quite significant. So we're not talking about compromising quality. What we're talking about is really dealing with the fears, the concerns of the photographer, and we can begin to let those fears, those concerns go when we stop projecting our understanding of photography and our preferences onto our clients. Does that make sense? 
obviously yeah yeah it totally makes sense from like a, a client point of view now i want to come in with like my my photography you know brain point of sure, view sure. let's say that all sounds good right i want to free more time because obviously as i said before editing takes let's say 80% of my time, right? I go mm -hmm. and shoot a wedding and then I spend 10, 15, maybe even 20 hours in front of the computer editing this wedding, right? Yeah, yeah. At the beginning, you know, the first two hours is fantastic. You're having fun and then it kind of goes downhill because you're like, oh my God, when is this going to end? Yeah. Uh, things obviously start to pile in your inbox and you know you can't you're only one person you can only do one thing at a time so like if you're editing you cannot take care of other things in your business however even though I understand all this and I understand the importance of this I am like a hoarder I am holding on to this idea that that if somebody else is editing my photos they're gonna lose my essence right? Are they going to do such a good job as what I do? Are they going to match my colors? Are they going to like, I don't know, crop the way that I like to crop? So let's talk about this. Let's say that I'm going to take a chance here and I'm going to let go of my baby to somebody mm. else, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What is kind of like the onboarding process of a new client for you guys? Yeah, and that's a great question. And as attached as I am. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a great question. And again, I don't mean to minimize the significance of quality, of style, of consistency in the finished product. Mm -hmm. At Photographer's Edit, our specialty is very simply custom image editing for the professional photographer. So you, you ask a great question. What does the onboarding process look like? Literally, after you share your basic information with us, the first thing that we do is ask you for your editing style. And we do that in a couple of different ways. We ask for a visual representation of your style. So we say, hey, share some before and after images with us. Before images, meaning images straight out of the camera, untouched, unedited. And by the way, don't be concerned about how those images look. It's funny how many photographers over the last you know, decade plus have expressed concern to me that, oh, my images, they don't look really great out of the camera. <laughs> We're not going to judge you. So don't worry about that. We want images straight out of the camera. So we see where they start. And then we want you to process those same images the way that you would normally process them yourself. Whatever adjustments you would normally make, whatever preset you apply to it, go ahead and do that and then upload that image. So we have a before, we have an after image. And do that, we, we actually make space for up to 16 before after images. We want images from a wide variety of lighting scenarios so that we can see how you process in those various scenarios. Once you do that, we now have a visual representation of how you process your images. And then we also ask for a textual, if you will, description. We have a series of dropdowns that you choose from. You can give specific instructions related to color correction or cropping culling process if you want us to do any culling, how you approach black and white if you want us to convert images to black and white. So we still ask for those text-based instructions as well, but the combination of the visual with the text-based instructions gives us a pretty good idea, a summary, a profile of your editing preferences, and we're able to then take that information and apply it to the order. Awesome. So let's, you know, let's dive a little bit deeper here. So sure. we do this, right? I send you the first wedding. Let's be 100% honest. Maybe the first wedding is not as perfect for me as I wanted sure. it to be, right? I'm sure, sure that happens, right? Because this is a relationship. You know, we're, we're getting to know each other. I'm sure the first draft is never going to be always like 100% perfect. Maybe I'm mistaken and maybe you guys are really good at this. And like <laughs> the first draft is always good. But actually, what is kind of like... How long does it take for, for you to build like a really good rapport with like your clients? 
Mm, that's a great question. Okay, so a couple of things here, because you, you make some interesting points. First of all, you'd be surprised, actually, at the number of photographers that have said to us after the first order, oh, my word, the guy, you, you edit even better than I edit. So that we, we, again, we have a super talented team and there's a good chance that you're going to get your first order back and be quite happy with it. But you also make a good point, which is that this is a relationship. And the, I have to give this analogy because I think it's helpful maybe to a photographer who is apprehensive about this process, or maybe doesn't have context for what it means to develop a relationship with somebody that they're delegating work to, mm-hmm. right? Because at the end of the day, there are a variety of things that we can delegate from our business to someone else, to a different company, to somebody in-house, whatever that might be, we have the ability to be able to delegate work, tasks, or projects to someone else to do for us. Editing happens to be one of them. But the analogy that I give is, imagine that you went to work, and probably most of us at some point have worked for a different company, a corporation, we worked at an ice cream shop, whatever it might be, we've worked for somebody else. What does that process normally look like when you have an employer and an employee? The employer brings the employee on. And in this case, by the way, you, the photographer, are the employee, you're the boss. Photographer's edit is the employee, right? But when you work for that other company, the employer brought you on, they started number one with training, right? Mm-hmm. So they, they ex- explained to you what they wanted. Naturally, you're going to do that with us when you share your editing preferences. But once that training happened and they put you out on the sales floor or you started selling, making ice cream or what, whatever the job was, the, the training didn't end. There was ongoing communication, ongoing right. feedback, ongoing training, and maybe questions were answered, et cetera. That is the exact same type of relationship that we're talking about here. And so it does take a commitment to, and again, I'm glad that you use this word, to the relationship, the working relationship. So to that end, and and to your point, once you submit that first order, you get it back. We've got this really cool feedback system built into your account. So you can literally give us feedback immediately after you get that order back. In fact, you can even choose an emoji that represents how you feel about the order. And then if something is off, let's say, for example, you get an order back and maybe the white balance is off in the portrait, the outdoor portrait session that you did, you can specify that the white balance was too warm or too cold. You can make that note and request a redo. The order goes back to our team. They see your feedback along with a couple of examples. They go back and make adjustments to the Lightroom catalog, send you back the finished product. And that might happen two, three, maybe even four times before that kind of working relationship Uh, that you were referencing is established. And now we've got a really good feel for what it is that you're looking for. And if there's openness to that communication process, it might help you better communicate your editing style to Mm -hmm. us. We better understand what it is that you're looking for. And at the end of the day, it's a, it's a win-win for everybody. A hundred percent. And and I'm asking this because I'm sure like I put myself in the shoes, right? Like if I were going to do this today, I'm sure Mm. that if you ask me what my editing style is, because I've never thought of this, maybe it would yeah. be like a really broad answer, right? Yes. And yes. I feel as as we progress, then I'd be like, oh, no, no, it's actually this specific thing, right? It's something that perhaps me as a photographer, I wouldn't even know on the first tryout. Like it will take me a couple of, you know, back and forth to like actually understand actually what my even style of editing is. You, you make such a great point. And, and so I'll go back to the ice cream parlor analogy, because I actually, my first retail job was working for Baskin and Robbins. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I, I scooped ice cream and made Sundays and, and so forth for these clients that were coming into the store. Imagine that my manager at the time, my boss said, he hired me and he said, go scoop ice cream. But what does that mean? Like, how do I, where do I, what do I do with the scoop and, and ice cream sticking to the scoop. Now, what do I do to get that ice cream off the scoop? And 
the Sundays that's on the menu. I, I don't know how to make that. Like, what are the ingredients and, and what order do I put those ingredients in the Sunday, et cetera. You get the idea. If, if there is not clarity and understanding on the part of the employer about what is being requested or required, then the, then there's not going to be a good work, working relationship because now the employee doesn't understand what is expected. So it's really important. And I'm glad you bring this up. It's important that before you hire an editing company like Photographer's Edit, you are actually clear about what your editing style is to the extent that you're able to communicate it very succinctly to anyone, us or anyone else, that you're able to communicate that because there will be, there will absolutely be frustration on the part of a photographer who goes into that relationship, not actually being clear about what it is that they want because there's going to be a lot of back and forth. We, we have to guess at the end of the day, right? If there's not clear communication. Correct. So, be very clear. And by the way, this is applicable, not just to editing, but any other area of your business that you delegate to somebody else before you begin that delegation process, make sure you are clear about what it is that you're asking that person to do. That will make it easier for you to communicate. It will make it easier for them to understand and do the work that you want them to do. Awesome. So good. So if I, let's say, let's say if I go in this onboarding process and all that, talking about relationship, is it's going to be one editor assigned to me or I'm going to get different people, different weddings? How does that's that a, work? Yeah, that's a great question as well. So by default, your order goes into a queue and it goes to the next available editor. Now we offer something called a premium membership where your orders are allocated to a dedicated team. So we've got mm -hmm. say two or three editors that are, are allocated to or dedicated to the, your, your orders. And what that can help encourage, of course, is consistency in the finished product. They, they know that your order is coming in, your style, they've seen that, they've edited it before, or they've overseen. We have QC uh, individuals who are overseeing quality control, QC, of course. They've seen your work come in before. There's an understanding of the style at hand. There's a, a relative familiarity, and that can help encourage consistency in the finished product. So that op option exists. It's not required to use Photographer's Edit with a premium membership, but if you want that dedicated team, it's 99 bucks for the year. And not only does that give you the dedicated team, but it also gives you a three business day turnaround time on orders of 800 images or less. Oh, great. So you, as long as you're able to schedule that order in advance, you know that you've got a session coming up or an event coming up that you're going to be photographing. You put that in the system, you can get a, an even faster or more consistently quick or fast turnaround time as a result of that membership as well. This is so great. Do you guys also do the calling or that's something that the photography, the photographer has to do? No, not at all. We do offer a calling service. And it, I would say probably at this point, about 75 to 80% of our clients are doing their own calling. Mm -hmm. You talk about control earlier and that's still <laughs> something, even for those who are like, you know what? Okay, fine. I'm going to give up control of the editing process. I still feel like I have a better understanding of the day. I'm going to do my own calling. A lot of photographers maintain that process for themselves, but we do offer the option of calling and that's something you can just simply choose as part of your order. Awesome. And are you guys, do you guys edit all types of weddings, all religions, all backgrounds, everything? It's like, are you guys a fully inclusive uh, company? 100%, 100%. And by the way, we're not just about weddings. Uh, any type of portrait session event, we do a little bit of commercial work as well. Uh, so anything you can really think of as a photographer that you're offering as a professional service, you can submit to us and we'll, we'll do that editing and that processing for you. Awesome. I love it. And I'm just asking this question because now, like I remember uh, a friend of mine having years ago, a company that, that she was using and then she stopped using it because they were not doing certain types of weddings. So sure. she was like, this is not good for me. So good, no, good we, that you guys uh, welcome everybody. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. I love this. So let's go back 
now to the beginning, right? Back to like, well, but why do I need to hire somebody to do my editing when I can do it myself, <laughs> right? Why, why would I do that? Because now, obviously, this is, a, this is a service that costs money, right? I mean, whether it's a lot of money or little money, it is now I need to pay somebody to do this. Why would I do that if I can do it myself? I mean, I know the answer, but I want you to tell me. <laughs> Carolina, I, I know that you want to spend more time watching Netflix. That's the main reason, right? <laughs> 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 I have a queue of programs in there that I need to catch up. Right, right. No, I know. I, I it's, it's really kind of bad. I, I hate admitting this, but the number of services that I am currently subscribed to, you know, Netflix, HBO, <laughs> Stars. I mean, I have them I, all. <laughs> it's it, yeah. I, I'm probably kind of wasting money, but it, there's so many options. Imagine if you had the freedom to go watch all of that. Uh, no, in all sold. seriousness, this is it, sold. <laughs> but in all seriousness, yes, it costs a little bit of money. And uh, so what I would, what I would argue are really two primary values or benefits in this process of, of delegating editing. First of all, as a business owner, I don't know about you or your listeners. I would assume that most of you like myself started a company with at least a hope of having more freedom, more flexibility in your life. And then you get into running that business and it's easy to get sucked in and you're working 60 hours a week, maybe even more in some cases, and you're constantly behind that computer screen, whether it's editing or other work, you're stuck behind that computer screen doing that work. I want more freedom, more flexibility in my life as a result of being a business owner. So the, the first and primary benefit of delegating editing work is more freedom, more flexibility. And, and you're right. 10, 15, 20 hours a week, especially for wedding photographers that can be gotten back as a result of delegating that editing, I would say that's easily worth a couple hundred bucks, especially if, if your listeners have taken the time to calculate what they are worth on an hourly basis in order to, to reach whatever financial goals they may have. So that's number one. But getting to the business piece of this, yes, they're going to have more freedom, more flexibility to watch Netflix if they want to. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly invest in the relationships in their life, which you know enough cannot be said about that. But what this also does is it enables the business owner, if they truly want to be a business owner, to scale their business more effectively. By delegating that work, they are able to spend more time marketing, spend more time developing in the context of photographers in particular. A lot of that has to do with developing relationships for the sake of building business. As a wedding photographer, much of my business came from one particular relationship with a wedding coordinator. So if I have an additional, let's, let's just be conservative and say 10 hours a week, and I even take half of that time and I allocate it to or dedicate it to spending time with, in coffee meetings or taking individuals out to lunch for the sake of developing relationships with them, or maybe even doing a follow-up like headshot session. They, you know that they need images for their website. After you have that lunch with them, hey, can I, can I do some headshots for you? And we know as photographers, a headshot session could be done in 15, 20 minutes even. So you've spent time developing an actual legitimate personal relationship with them. And you've also added additional value to their life by giving them some headshots. And you did that with a fraction of the time that you saved just in one week, delegating your outsourcing your editing work to a company like Photographer's Edit. So the, the benefit, in addition to time, freedom, flexibility, is that you as a business owner now have the time to dedicate toward activities, marketing in particular, that will enable you to build your business, to scale your business over the long run. If you hold on to your editing, sure, you may be able to continue to build your business at a certain level, but it's going to limit your ability to maximize 
the opportunity as a business owner if you keep holding on to all of that? And I mean, once again, I do all my editing and I can see this, right? When it's busy season, I'm stuck at home editing instead of like out there networking or yeah. watching my favorite TV show, fully aware of what's exactly. happening. Exactly. <laughs> And maybe two or three of them. <laughs> no, but it's true. I think that here has to be kind of like a little bit of like a mindset shift, right? Because it it's kind of like what comes first, the chicken or the egg? It's like, oh, but yes, if I outsource, it's going to cost me money. So I'm going to make less money. When in reality, maybe at the beginning, that's going to be, you know, the, the actual, you know, fact that yes, at the beginning, you're going like to make a little bit less money, but this is going to give you the, the time to actually market your business, generate more business. So you can yep. now, you know, cover the difference that you're paying, you know, your editors. And, and I would argue it's way beyond covering the difference. I mean, we'll, we'll go back to the analogy with that wedding coordinator that we had a relationship with a little bit of time invested in the relationship, whether that was offering a free session or just spending time at lunch or a coffee meeting could potentially mean literally thousands and thousands of dollars. I, there's no telling how many thousands of dollars worth right. of business that we did as a result of the relationship with this particular coordinator in the Chattanooga area uh, where I live. It's kind of mind blowing almost. So it's, it's not just about trying to scrape that $100, $200 back. It's actually the potential to make thousands of dollars as a company just by simply delegating that work elsewhere. And my goodness, it will... The, the empowerment that business owners will experience as a result of not only being able to give something up, right? Not holding on too tight hmm. and ultimately being able to build their business more effectively where you feel like your time is actually resulting in positive benefit of growth, forward movement. It's incredible. And I just can't recommend it enough. No, a hundred percent. And let's even address because I'm sure there's somebody listening to this that is thinking like, well, I don't care about marketing. Let's talk about, as you were saying, your personal relationships, more time mm -hmm. for you to spend with your children. If you have children with your partner, mm -hmm. um, I, I know a lot of photographers that complain about like, oh my God, I have gained so much weight because of editing. Like I don't get to go outside. <laughs> so like, just for yeah. like self-love, right? This is just like more, more free time for you to like enjoy yourself. If that's, you know, the case, go and do the things that you love that have nothing to do with business, get a new hobby, you know, whatever you need to do. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many different benefits. Again, let's just, it, we don't have to, to say you need to spend your time this way or that. If you had 10 hours back in, in your week or even five hours, start again, super conservatively, five hours, six, seven, eight, 10 hours a week that you now have added back to your life. Think about all the things you could do. And, and it doesn't have to be all allocated to one place. You know, if you spent five hours in the networking effort, but then you have, you know, two hours to spend with your kids and then an hour to allocate to a Netflix show, it's a win-win all the way around, right? There are so many different potential benefits here, but it does start with, as you pointed out, a mindset shift. And if at the end of the day, you're going to, not you specifically, but anybody mm -hmm. is going to fixate on the idea that you, if, if you don't have control of everything, it's not going to be good enough. Uh, well, the conversation doesn't really go any further than that. You have to be willing to, to give that notion up. And, and actually, I would just to get a little bit philosophical here. I actually have a, a tattoo on my on my arm. Uh, if we were on video here, I, I could show everybody. But it's it's the Japanese. What, what does it say? Tell me. <laughs> yeah, it's the Japanese word kakushin, which is the word belief in Japanese. And what I've continued to, to learn more and more as, as, I, as I grow up, if you will, I'm 41 at this point, but in life, everything is rooted in a belief. 
or a series of beliefs. So if in this, in the context of our conversation, the belief is my clients aren't going to be happy unless I control the editing process. The exercise that I would encourage all of our, all of your listeners to, to kind of explore, and this is something that I do with myself, both on a, on a personal level and a business level, mm-hmm. is what is that belief or series of beliefs rooted in? Take some time to actually take a step back, kind of get out of the emotional component of it. Take a step back and look at this, try to look at this as objectively as possible. Maybe even have a conversation with a friend or family member or otherwise that can help you walk through this. But what is that belief rooted in? or that series of beliefs rooted in and explore what it is rooted in to understand whether or not that is it, that belief or belief system is rooted in a logical thought process. And when you're able to take a step back and kind of pick that apart a little bit, I think that will give you or any one of our listeners the, the freedom to then more proactively, consciously, not emotionally make the choice to make a move in the direction of, of delegation. If they understand where, where that, that uh, belief is rooted. I love that. And I love that you said, you know, like a, a rational, you know, choice instead of an emotional choice. I feel also, I mean, not only as humans, but as artists, yes. uh, we, we make all our decisions made like in the, the, the emotional. And it's really good to like separate yourself from like that feeling and actually look at something objectively. A lot of meditation will get you there. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. Yeah. We could probably spend a whole podcast episode talking about meditation and I've certainly experienced the benefits, but I, I, I want to add this caveat, which is I'm a super emotional guy. So I'm not saying this from this place of, you know, having figured this all out and being an expert in emotional, uh, psychological management, but personally, I'm still learning the process, but I've also seen my, my life has uh, to use a strong word suffered as a result. My business has suffered as a result of my tendencies in the past to just constantly be on this emotional roller coaster mm-hmm. where I'm constantly feeding into whatever I feel in the moment. And uh, there's this, this quote uh, that I heard recently, Tim Ferriss is a podcaster and, and he was sharing this. I'm not sure who the, the originator of the quote is, but they said, basically the quote is don't believe everything that you think. Correct. Right. There's this tendency that we have to give so much credence to significance to what we think as we're feeling this thing in the moment. And the reality is it probably doesn't have near as much significance as we're giving it. So learning to take a step back. Yes. Meditation is a great way to do this, but learning to take a step back, look at this situation objectively, look at the beliefs that this, that this behavior is rooted in addressing those, adjusting those, it'll enable us to move forward. And again, our personal life and our business benefits greatly from it. I love it. So I don't like to talk about pricing on my episodes because this is an evergreen. Maybe somebody's listening to this today. Maybe somebody mm-hmm. three years from now is going to listen. But if you can give us kind of like a, a general idea of how much, let's say, outsourcing a, a 600 images wedding, basic general concept, what, what would this be just to get kind of like a general idea? If possible. It's, it's yeah, it's super easy. It's a, it's a 24 cent an image a la carte price. Okay. So you can do very simple math that way. If you're talking about 600 images, we're talking, what is that? 130, $135, something to that. Two plus two, five. I don't know what's (laughs) going on in here. (laughs) Yeah, but that's the idea. So it's not, it's not that expensive. And by the way, that price point includes the custom editing that I mentioned earlier that matches your editing style. You go to other companies and, you know, they make it sound really good charging, say a flat rate, for example, a monthly flat rate where you get quote unquote unlimited editing. But what you find out is it's not unlimited, number one. And number two, the the number of options in the editing process are relatively limited. Then you have to pay extra for this thing or extra for that. 
we've developed a price pricing structure that gives an incredible amount of customization to the photographer at a simple flat rate. You know, I talked earlier about how our how the industry had just kind of overcomplicated the process. We're we're trying to keep it as simple as as we possibly can, despite being a custom editing company. It's just a simple flat rate per image cost, and it makes it really easy to calculate. And by the way, if you go to photographersedit.com slash calculator, you can actually do that math and see what it would look like, how much it's going to cost to either have us do that custom editing or the culling and editing. You can do that on that page. It makes it really easy for you. Oh, fantastic. I'll make sure to you know link to all these pages here on the notes for this episode. Uh Love this. Love, you know, the general concept of like why I should uh, outsource, even though I know it, maybe this is the year, maybe this is the year when I completely let go, because as you said, it makes, I mean, it makes no sense really. I, I can grow my business, but so little every year because of, I only have, we all have the same 24 hours, right? If I, and if I'm spending out of those 24 hours, 10 hours editing, that's time that I should be allocating for like actually nourishing my business. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, this isn't about being right or wrong, whether we delegate editing or we don't or outsource editing or we don't, it's not about right or wrong. It's, do we want to be better? Do we want to grow? And there may be some personal growth in this process of learning to let go of control, but ultimately it gives us the potential. If we leverage then the free time that we get, it gives us the potential as a result of delegating or outsourcing editing to grow our business. So if you or anyone else is interested in that, then this is this is the most time-consuming element of running a photography business. It is. It's this. It's the most logical thing to delegate, because you'll be able to do so much more with that time. I love it. Well, this, this was really fantastic. I love everything about it. So I know you have given us a massive marketing tip, obviously, which is delegating. But sure. just for the sake of the conversation, and because I ask this to everybody else, what yeah. would be one other marketing tip that you can share with us? I talk a lot about brand position in conversation Ooh, like this. Yeah, with other photographers. My recommendation to anyone listening in, whether you're a photographer or you run a different type of business, make sure you have a clear and distinct brand position for your business that very simply communicates the unique value proposition that your business offers to the marketplace. And just as an example... I was a wedding photographer. If I were to start a wedding photography business again in the Chattanooga market, I wouldn't just simply launch that business and sell myself as a wedding photographer because there are probably another 30, 40, 50 other wedding photographers here in the Chattanooga market. And I'm not going to set myself apart by just saying I'm a wedding photographer. But if I were to say I am a wedding photographer who only photographs black and white weddings or weddings in black and white. Now I'm getting a little bit more niche. I'm narrowing my market, but I stand out because I'm doing something different than anybody else here in the Chattanooga area. I only photograph weddings in black and white. And if I needed to get even more specific, I could say, you know, I could call it a particular, particular target market. I could say I'm a Chattanooga's black and white wedding photographer for skateboarders. Wow. Now, that's very niche. Like how many clients could you get? <laughs> <laughs> well, and by the way, you make an, a brilliant point. And, and so this brings up the, the reality, which is that as a business owner considers a brand position, they have to consider their financial goals. And for that matter, their time goals, how much they want to put into their business every week. When it comes to choosing 
the position because you're right. That is in this case, if we take that skateboarder example, that's a really niche market and that market may not support my financial goals. So now right. I need to be a little bit less niche, but the point is to be niche, right? When, when somebody lands on your website, if you say you're a wedding photographer or a portrait photographer or something, or, or a commercial photographer, for example, they're, they're probably going to kind of glaze over that. They know you're a wedding photographer. They know you're a portrait photographer, commercial photographer, but why should they hire you? And the goal is in just a few words, I would say no more than six to eight, 10 words max that you're able to communicate to that potential client, what it is, the way that you specifically bring value to their life. You're not just a wedding photographer, portrait photographer, but you are a wedding photographer that does what? And you should have picked a position that is unique to that marketplace. So you do a little bit of research ahead of time. And this is as simple as just really Googling. I would, I would Google Chattanooga wedding photographer or Chattanooga wedding photography. I would see what other photographers are doing. And I'm going to pick a position statement, not only based on my personal and professional goals, but then ultimately based on what everybody else is doing, because I need to position myself against them. I, I need to stand out in contrast to them. We live in a super, super noisy marketplace, right? It's so much easier for photographers and for that matter, for anyone to get into running a business themselves. And so to that end, we need to do a variety of things to stand out. And one of those is make sure that we not only have a clear and distinct brand position, but we're communicating it succinctly in a manner that's easy to see and understand. Super, super important. I love that. It's, it always makes me kind of like giggle a little bit when I see photographers says like, you know, wedding photographer and I, I love photography or something like that. Like I became a photographer because I love photography. I'm like, we can do better than that. <laughs> there's, there's that. There's also a tendency, a lot of photographers run with some kind of cutesy phrase, you know, like <laughs> creating treasured memories that will last forever that it, let's just take actually that particular phrase. First of all, these are words that are overused, right? So mm -hmm. you're not really going to stand out. Number two, that's communicating a concept that's obvious. Well, of course, as a photographer, you're capturing a moment or a portrait that is going to hopefully be treasured for a long time to come. Mm -hmm. So we're stating the obvious at that point. What we need to do as entrepreneurs is to come up with how we stand out, how we are unique in contrast to the other businesses and whatever industry we may be in. And that's the goal here. So we come up with that unique brand position statement that is communicated succinctly. And, and I would add above the fold, if somebody lands on your website, they don't need to be scrolling down the homepage of your website, combing through paragraphs of text to find this information. A few bold words and large font above the fold on mobile and on desktop. That's where you should put that, make it easy for them to know immediately whether or not you're a good fit for them. I love that. Like, tell me right away. 100%. Love this. Awesome. So uh, I ask also this to every single guest. What are you currently loving? And this doesn't have to be business related. You can tell me about your favorite Netflix show. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you know, I, right now I'm, I'm loving the process of growth, the, the like challenge this. of growth. And so I have a certain list of values that I want to represent in my life day to day consistently. There are a list of nine actually, but one of those is growth. And right now I'm, I'm, I'm challenging myself on an ongoing basis in multiple areas of my life to continue to grow. Um, but then I guess second to that, the challenge of being consistent, showing up consistently. And this means showing up consistently in my work ethic it means showing up consistently in my emotional state. I, I spoke earlier about how I'm a really emotional guy and it's easy for me to fall into the roller coaster behavioral pattern. 
showing up consistently emotionally in my personal life and my professional life means I'm not only creating a better experience for those on the other side of me, but I'm ultimately going to perform better as well. So I know that's, it's kind of philosophical conceptual, but that's the thing that I'm really, really enjoying at the moment is the challenge of not only growth, but showing up consistently because it can be difficult to do. I love that, especially through, I mean, we're still living through a pandemic. So showing up consistently in whatever you're doing could be a challenge for a lot of us right now. Well, yeah, because we can play into, to your point, in this case, the pandemic, or maybe how the pandemic is affecting our business or it's how it's affecting others around us. And then there's the fear of, okay, well, yeah, things may be calming down a little bit, but there's still the potential that maybe it it pops up again and affects our industry again. It keeps me from working. We can play this what if game. So again, there's that emotional experience. So how do we, despite whatever might be going on around us, stay consistent emotionally? And of course, the benefits there personally, professionally are massive if we're able to learn to manage our emotions and and maintain a relatively consistent emotional and psychological state. There's a book by an author named Michael Singer Mm -hmm. called... The untethered soul. Yeah, I slip my mind for a second. I'm listening to uh, to the um, the audiobook of it right now. Brilliant. Okay, yeah. so so you know, and I, I would highly recommend this for everybody. And, and it's a little bit again, it's philosophical yes. and may even feel a little bit out there, but give it some time and really sit with it. It it made massive massive impact in my life uh, when it came to understanding number one how to better approach meditation. But we give so much significance to that voice inside our head. We were talking about this earlier as it relates to delegation or outsourcing. We give so much significance to that kind of narrating voice inside our head. And it's ultimately detrimental to to our lives as a whole. And Michael speaks to that and ultimately how to kind of counteract our tendency to play into that. It's a, it's a fascinating book and a highly recommended read for literally anybody. My kids who are relatively young, uh, I, well, actually I recommended it to them probably two or three years ago. My daughter is currently 16. My, my son's now in college, but it's so powerful and, and it's applicable to literally anyone. Another book that I really love, I mean, close to this topic is obviously the power of now. Have you read it? No, I don't think I have. I'm really bad with, with, with authors. Uh, and especially his name is a little bit, uh, not so easy to say it. Hold on a second. Let me Google this right now. I'll see if I can beat you to it. The, the power of now? Yes. Eckhart, oh, I can't, I can't even say that name. I'm going to completely butcher it. Ek, so I'm gonna, yeah, Eckhart Tolle. <laughs> there yeah. you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Such a good book. Uh, really, really good. And it's one of those books that you can read over and over again because okay. it's really applicable. And if you don't like reading books and if you love Netflix, uh, Headspace has a whole thing on Netflix about meditation. Really? It is brilliant. It is the graphics are the most beautiful thing I ever seen it is is lovely. Each episode is maybe 10, 12 minutes at the most. Okay. But it teach you, you know, how to tame not not tame but how to you know control the mind that sometimes you know make us you know go crazy (laughs) so super recommended interesting okay and it's called one more time headspace it's just called headspace okay i'm gonna have to check that out for sure just go to netflix and type headspace and it will give you it teach it's it's i think it's like 10 different episodes on how to meditate and they have like okay Headspace has this like these cute little graphics. They make it like super, super sweet to, you know, yeah. to learn about meditation. So super recommended. 
I, I love it when when something information is presented to us in a way that's easy to, to consume, to understand. You mentioned something, though. I, I want to just kind of throw this out here it may, and would love to get your thoughts on this as well. You, you talked about trying to control our mind. And one of the things that Michael ultimately teaches us in that, that book, uh, The Untethered Soul, that, that I've learned and continued. Honestly, it, it's an ongoing process, a learning process, learning how to do this. But rather than trying to control our mind, the best thing to do is to understand that we have the ability to choose how to respond to it, right? So if if we set the kind of stereotypical uh, kind of narrative around meditation is we need to sit, close our eyes and try not to think about anything. Well, of course, the reality we know is for anybody who's tried is we're going to think about something, probably lots of things. In (laughs) fact, I actually find it quite enjoyable when I take the time to out of a maybe a busy time in my life to sit and close my eyes. It almost just gives my mind an opportunity to process. So the question isn't really how do we control our mind or how do we stop thinking, but it's how are we then responding to those thoughts that are coming in? And our cultural tendency, I think, at this stage is to play so heavily into that narrative, that voice inside our head, how we feel in the moment, that's extremely detrimental. And what Michael highlights in his book, The Untethered Soul, is our ability to be able to choose how to engage with that thought as an object. The same way that, you know, there's a pen sitting here in front of me. I choose to pick up that pen. I now choose to put it down. I don't have to carry that pen around with me. I choose how to engage with that object. He says, hey, you can do this with your thoughts as well. Correct. I, I completely misspoke uh, on that. Like, I didn't want to <laughs> say like control. I mean like interact. Maybe that oh, was sure, a better sure. word. Like- <laughs> oh, I didn't mean to pick your words apart. <laughs> no, I just, no, no, it's it's fine. It's, it's, such a, it's such an exciting concept. I mean, even talking about it, I'm like, okay, as soon as we get off this, our, our conversation, this call here, I, this is something that I, like a renewed focus that I need to give to that, that thought process because it's so powerful and it's so empowering. It enables us to, I mean, we talk about control, wanting to have control as photographers (laughs) and as artists. The reality is we have the ability to control how we engage with our thoughts and what that means for our personal professional life. Again, it's just, it's incredible. A hundred percent. I love how this conversation, you know, how like it, it went through different things that all of them for me in my life make sense. Yes. I think that we're like, I I like to, to consider, you know, a more holistic approach to everything Mm -hmm. that I do. So for mm-hmm. me, things like meditation, yoga plays a big part in my life. And that I also carry those teachings into, you know, my, my life, my business and all that. So yeah. it was so good talking to you. Where could people find you? Well, I'll start with Photographer's Edit, photographersedit.com. For anybody listening in, and it sounds just, just like it is. Photographers with an S on the end, edit.com. I also host a podcast and if photographers listening in, for that matter, if any entrepreneurs in general are listening in, the Boca podcast is just B-O-K-E-H podcast.com is a wealth of information, largely driven, driven by principles, ideas, kind of like we talked about today that mm-hmm. will enable entrepreneurs, photographers in particular, but entrepreneurs to more effectively run their business in a way that is scalable, right? That, that won't ultimately burn them out. How to have some freedom and flexibility while also running a business intelligently, proactively. And so bocapodcast.com, almost 500 episodes of content there. And of course, free for the so taking. So great episodes. So make sure that you subscribe and listen because there's a, a lot in there to, you know, to go through. So good. Well, and I happen to know this girl, I think, who was on the show maybe not too long ago, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so maybe maybe you can even link to your episode there in the show notes. But there, so there's that 
and then lastly, I guess just as kind of a way to, to see everything that I'm involved in, maybe NathanHolritz.com is my personal site. I link to Photographer's Edit, to the Boca Podcast, and other projects that I'm involved in there, NathanHolritz, H-O-L-R-I-T-Z.com. Awesome. I'll make sure to add all the links to, you know, the notes on this episode. Nathan, it was fantastic talking to you. I really like our conversation. Uh, definitely thinking about, you know, start, you know, sending my, my, my pictures to, you know, be edited. But also I really enjoyed that we have a couple of things in common that we like meditation and things like that. So that was yes. so great. For all of you that listened to this episode, thank you so much for staying with us. Make sure that you screenshot this, post it on your Instagram stories, tag us, tell your friends and all that good stuff and i'll talk to you next week so see you soon ciao bye-bye thanks for listening to today's episode for more info about marketing tips for photographers and show notes please visit thetogrepublic.com if you enjoyed today's show please go to itunes and leave us a review want even more Join our marketing community group. Just search for the Tog Republic group on Facebook. Until next week.